We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. I'm continuing the series, The Art of War. If you haven't been here for the previous three messages, go to chctoday.com, find that sermon tab and go down to sermon series and you'll find the previous three available there to you at no cost in video form. The podcasts are also there. You can download those uh, to your smart device, play them at a later time if you choose to do that as well. Take advantage of the media that's available to you and use it to touch hearts and change lives. Amen. Men, all the men in the room next Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, men's breakfast across Main Street in the Fellowship Hall. No cost to attend. Pancakes will be served. And Ryan Sprague, who is uh, the starting tight end on the 1999 Seminoles National Championship team, will be our guest speaker. So plan to come out next Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. It'll be a great time in the presence of God hanging out with some guys. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says these words. Paul writing to Timothy, and again, this is the elder writing to the younger, looking back over the course of his life, because at the time of this writing, Paul is in prison in Rome. He's actually awaiting a certain execution. So he's passing down all the wisdom that he gleaned through the years of serving Jesus Christ. And this is what he tells to Timothy, and by extension, to you and me. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. When you read those verses, it should stir something up inside of you. It should cause you to realize that Christianity is not commonplace or complacent. Christianity is far more than just coming out on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Christianity is about allowing God to do something in you that that creates a desire for more in your heart and in your life. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind in this room or those watching online that the enemy's desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. Matter of fact, you can read that in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So in that one verse, Jesus sets up the conflict that is raging across the world today. It's a conflict between God and Satan, good and evil, destruction and life. And when we read the scriptures, we are called to be a part of that conflict, called to be a part of that fight. We are called to be engaged in actively defeating the enemy every single day. All we have to do is turn on the news and current events remind us there is a real enemy whose desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I put it to you this way? He absolutely wants to kill your faith. He wants to take out the underpinnings of your life that have anchored you to Jesus Christ. About a year ago, we had a friend, Yvonne and I did, whose son, adult son, committed suicide. She had been a Christian her entire life, but we just learned recently that now she refuses to acknowledge God. She actually blames God for her son's suicide. Folks, let me remind you, it isn't God who kills and destroys. 
It's the enemy who steals and kills and destroys. And sometimes he uses circumstances like that to erode your faith, to eradicate your trust, to destroy your hope, and cause you to believe there is really nothing to it. The enemy comes to kill your faith. The enemy comes to destroy your family. He wants nothing more than to rip your family apart at the seams. He wants nothing more than to see your family completely and totally destroyed. Oh, I'm calling men and women of God today. It's time to stand up for your family. It's time to stand in the gap for your family. Listen to me, parents of teens and preteens. There will be some rebellion in most of their lives, but you don't have to lay down and take it. You're the parent. Stand up, stand in the gap, refuse to allow the enemy to destroy their lives. Stand between them and destruction. Tell him before you get to my kid, you've got to come through me. Come on, somebody, stand up for your families today. And the enemy wants to absolutely steal your future. He wants to take away from you hope for tomorrow. He wants to take away from you hope for heaven. Do you realize life on this earth is just a short span, but eternity is forever. And one of these days, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, the enemy will tell you that's a lie. There's nothing to it. When you die, you just lay in the grave and the, and the worms eat you and that's all there is to it. I've got news for you. My Bible says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, folks, there's an eternity to live for. There's a heaven to gain when we understand we're involved in a conflict and involved in a battle. So how do we fight this battle? We're going to talk about this a little more in depth next week. But Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, we should put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Our loins should be girded with truth. Our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then he says, pick up the sword of the Spirit. Do you know what the sword of the Spirit is? It's the Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, when Satan led Jesus into the wilderness to tempt him at his weakest physical point, Jesus had just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan came at his weakest physical point. At that point, he led him into the wilderness. He tempted him with three things. And how did Jesus overcome him? With the Word of God every single time. It is written. It is written. Oh, can I challenge you today to open the book. Let it be a part of your heart and your life. Read it. Memorize it. Absorb it into your spirit. So when the attack comes, you have the sword of the Spirit. You have the Word of God. You have a way to overcome Him just as Jesus overcame Him. Paul also said, pick up the shield of faith, but wherewith you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith protects you. Oh, listen to me. You can read it in Acts chapter 28. It's the story of Paul being shipwrecked, landing on the island of Malta. And it says in verse 6 that he picked up some twigs or some, some sticks to put on the fire. When he laid them on the fire, a viper came out and attached himself to his hand. It says that the people of the island, the natives, expected him to swell up or to fall down dead. Acts 28, 6. You can read it. And after a period of time when nothing happened, 
They said, this man is a God. What am I telling you? I'm telling you in that moment of time, the apostle Paul lifted up the shield of faith and God came to his rescue. Yes, that viper was poisonous. Yes, it should have killed him, but God had a different plan. Lift up the shield of faith that protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. Luke chapter 4, the last verses of that chapter. The Bible talks about Jesus being in Nazareth, and he's preaching the gospel to his home city, to people who have watched him grow up. And it says when he proclaimed himself to be the fulfillment of prophecy, the people there in the temple became so angry, they took him to a cliff to throw him off and kill him. But listen to what verse 30 says. Luke 4, 30 says, Jesus walked right through them. They intended his destruction, but he lifted up the shield of faith and he walked right through the present enemy. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to raise the shield of faith and understand God can intervene in your life. You put that PowerPoint up for me, Sonia, please. We got a call on Thursday of this week. Our grandson, Hudson, is 11 years old. He lives in Austin, Texas. They were on spring break. Go to the next one. On spring break on Thursday, they went to uh, Enchanted Rock. It's a state park in South Texas. That's a dome of granite that rises about 400 feet out of the ground. There's all kinds of hiking trails and climbing trails. Hudson was climbing up a vertical cliff that had about a 65-degree angle to it. When he got to the point he was trying to reach, then he turned around. And when he turned around, he lost his footing. And he tumbled head over heels down 40 feet of that granite cliff. Put that next picture up. 40 feet down that cliff. Should have killed him. Should have paralyzed him. He shouldn't be here today. Show the next slide. They took him to the emergency room. No head injuries, no broken bones, no internal injuries, just scrapes, bruises, and abrasions. Show the next three. Here's what I have to say to you today. Every day, Yvonne and I lift those little kids up before the Lord, and we say, God, protect our grandkids. Watch over those grandkids. Keep evil from our grandkids. Oh, come on, church. It's time to lift the shield of faith and believe that God is able to protect us and protect our loved ones. We understand God is a mighty God. He's able to do great things. But we first have to know our enemy and we have to know ourselves. And if we're casual Christians, we're going to find ourselves constantly plummeted, constantly beaten up, constantly overcome by the evil one. What did Sun Tzu say in the Art of War? I quoted this to begin this series of message. If ignorant both of your enemy and yourself, you're certain to be in peril. Who's the enemy? John 10. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You can read his description in other scriptures. He is the evil one, according to John 17.50. The father of lies, according to John 8.44. The god of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. The lawless one, 2 Thessalonians 2.8-10. In other words, he is a formidable adversary. But that's all the do I'm going to give him today, because now I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus Christ has already won the victory. He already defeated Satan. You can read it in Colossians chapter 2. It says he led them in triumphant procession. Oh, he has already conquered the enemy. And you and I need to know and understand because of that, we fight from a position of victory. It's already been won. It's already been done. And that's the position we fight the enemy. So in our text this morning, Paul says 
fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. We fight the good fight of faith by employing the weaponry that God has given us through the scripture. We understand the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. We get that. We understand that. So we put on the helmet of salvation. We embrace the breastplate of righteousness. We pick up the sword of the Spirit. We don the shield of faith. We gird our loins with truth. We walk in the preparation of the gospel of peace because therein God gives the victory. So we have to be completely clothed in the armor of God. As people of God, we are called in this day and in this time to stand and fight. We're called to stand in the gap, to make a difference in our society. People look around us and they say, well, we're living in the last days. These things are just going to happen. Yes, we are. But if we believe that, we should then be more vigilant. We should be more determined. We should be more aware than we have ever been before because it's in those moments of attack that God calls us to stand. It's in those moments of darkness that God calls us to be light. It's in those moments of great oppression that God calls us to declare the deliverer. Oh, somebody hear me in this room this morning. It's time for the people of God to stand up and say, we will not be bullied. We will not be oppressed. We will not be ran over. The victory is ours through Jesus Christ. And we stand in his victory today. We refuse to allow the enemy to gain a foothold. It's time for the people of God to arise, pull down strongholds. The Apostle Paul told us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Pulling down strongholds, casting down vain imaginations, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's our fight, folks. That's our fight. And when we do that, we put demons to flight. When we do that, we bring the victory through Jesus Christ. When we do that, circumstances begin to alter and change. When we choose to stand and fight. When we do that, the hellish influence that's trying to destroy your family is broken off. Listen to me, I was going to tell you this later, you need to hear it right now. If you have a teenager that is misbehaving and acting out and living in rebellion, find out what they're listening to. Find out what they're watching. Get to know their friends. Examine their lives. And whatever influence is taking them away from God, cut it off. I'm not sure I can do that. Yeah, you can. You're the parent. I'm empowering you today to be parents. To be godly parents who believe God has given me the responsibility of raising this child. He didn't give me this child so I could let them grow up like a bunch of wild wolves. He gave me this child so I could teach them the fear, the nurture, the admonition of the Lord. So I could instruct them in the ways of God. So that God's plan and purpose could be fulfilled in their, in their lives. Come on, folks. Be, be men and women of God. There's a great story that has its origin in the Cheyenne Indians of the plains. If you're not familiar with the Cheyennes... Their territory ranged from western Oklahoma clear up into Montana. They were the most fierce fighters of all the Plains Indians. They conquered all their enemies. They didn't believe in making peace. They believed in conquering their enemies. Now, I'm not a Cheyenne. I'm Cherokee. But I grew up with the Cheyennes. There was a reservation about 10 miles from our house. So I knew a lot of them. I heard their stories. 
But one of the greatest stories you will hear about the Cheyenne is the stories of the dog soldiers. In the Cheyenne tribe, there were six levels of warriors. The dog soldiers were the best. They were excellent. They had a resolve and a determination that would not quit. They refused to give in. They were armed to the teeth. If you go look it up, you'll find pictures of dog soldiers. They've got pistols. They've got rifles. They've got bows and arrows. They have spears. They have hatchets. They're armed to the teeth. And they knew how to use all those weapons and use them well. But the thing that made the dog soldiers different from the other six warrior societies in the Cheyenne tribe was their resolve in conflict. Daniel, come and help me. You see, the dog soldiers wore a rope either around their waist or looped over their shoulder. And that rope was called a dog rope. Step up a couple of steps so they can see this. That rope was called a dog rope. And that dog rope was anywhere from 10 to 12 feet long. Go ahead and spread it out. 10 to 12 feet long, and at the end of the dog rope was a wooden stake, a picket. Very similar to what they would use to picket a horse so he could graze without getting away. But the dog soldiers use this dog rope when their tribe was in danger, they were about to be overran, the dog soldiers would stake themselves between the enemy and those they cared about. They stood between evil and destruction and their tribe. And the dog soldier could never pull that picket until either the tribe was safe or another dog soldier came and pulled it for him. He had to stand and fight. This rope identified his resolve in combat. If he died, he died. That's the way it was. That was the dog soldier. Matter of fact, one historian writes about a treaty council that happened in Medicine Large, Kansas, where there were Kiowas and Comanches and Arapahoes and Sioux and Blackfeet all came to this tribal council to meet with the government to try to make peace. And he said, I'll never forget... When 500 dog soldiers of the Cheyenne tribe rode up that day, they never dismounted. They were the fiercest looking people he had ever seen in his life. Just to look at them would scare you to death, he wrote. They wore big old war bonnets of black feathers. They painted their faces white and black and red and green. They painted their chest and they always had the dog rope strapped to them. Time and time again, those dog soldiers would drive the picket in the ground and fight the enemy, if need be, to death to protect those they loved and cared about. Oh, I don't know about you, but I believe this morning God is looking for some dog soldiers who will drive the picket in the ground, who will say, devil, you've got to come through me, and I've got every weapon of the enemy. I've got all the armament of God, and you will not win. I'm protecting those I love and care about. God's looking for some folks who will do that. So how do we do that today? How do we exhibit that type of tenacity? How do we exhibit that type of determination in our lives? What chance did those guys have against the enemies? They won time and time again because of their resolve. You see, I've determined that my family will not go to hell. I've determined that my friends will not go to hell. I've determined that I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to drive the stake in the ground. And I'm going to say, before you get to them, you got to come through me. Oh, come on, church. God is looking for people. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. The Bible says, I sought for a man among them 
who would make up the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. The New Living Translation says it this way, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. For someone to stand in the gap in the wall. Oh, come on. God's looking for believers who rebuild the wall of righteousness. Who will declare the word of God is yet true. Who will say we don't compromise. We don't water it down. We don't make it palatable to the flesh. But rather, this is what God's word says. And we're determined to live by it. He's looking for believers who will rebuild that wall of righteousness. For believers who will stand in the gap in the wall. Can we see that depicted scripturally? Absolutely. Moses did it for the Israelites. Psalm 106 verse 23 says, Therefore he said, speaking of God, he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him. Moses said, you got to kill me if you're going to kill them. Oh, come on. God's looking for some breach standers. Folks to stand in the wall. Who understand we're in a fight. Who refuse to give up and give in. How do we do it? Number one, very quickly, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In the power of His might. The word might is also translated from the Greek as dominion. Now let me take you back to the first message in this series. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. Isaiah said, and in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The word Lord translated in English is actually from the Hebrew Adonai. And the Hebrew Adonai talks about God's dominion. It describes God's dominion. So when Paul is writing about being strong in the Lord, he chooses to use the same Greek word that means dominion. Oh, come on, folks. I want you to hear it. He has given you dominion over the powers of darkness. He has given you dominion over the forces of hell. It's time to stand in the gap and exercise the dominion. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his dominion, dominion, be strong in the Lord. We need to get that in our spirits and understand it. What did Isaiah say in Isaiah 43? He said it this way to the Israelites. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Now listen to the next verses. When you pass, it's not a question of if you're going to be in a battle. It's a question of when it comes to you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. There's no question the enemy will come against you. Doug, he tried to destroy you about a year ago. You had a major heart attack. Only 5% of your heart was a stand-up. They need to see you, buddy. 5% of your heart was functioning. They put you in the ICU. They sent you home on hospice. But I'm here to tell you what the devil planned for evil, God intended for good. He's standing here serving the king this morning. And God is doing a good thing of restoration and healing. Thank you, sir. God is doing a good thing. When you pass through the waters, it's going to happen. Don't be surprised when the enemy comes against you. You're in a fight. You're in a war. Understand that. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. 
the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Oh, come on, folks. He's already prepared us. He's helping us understand you're in a fight. You're in a battle. You can either lay down and be walked on or you can take a stand. You can put on the armor of God. You can say this isn't going down the way you planned for it to go down. God's already written a different ending and I'm reading it to you right now. I'm standing for Jesus Christ. Take a stand. That's number two, Ephesians 6, 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... Stand. Draw the line in the sand. Come on, be like Joshua of old. Y'all can do what you want to do, but as far as me and my household go, we're going to serve the Lord. Draw the line in the sand. Take a stand for Jesus. Lift up the banner of righteousness. Allow God to be revealed in and through your life and through your speech and through your daily activities. Take a stand. Matter of fact, when you read that scripture in the Greek, Ephesians 6, 13, the word that's interpreted whole is pan. And when you really understand that, it means you are covered from head to toe. Head to toe. You are completely protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, when you take a stand, you know what your war cry needs to be? It needs to be Satan. The blood of Jesus is against you. Because according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, come on, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm blood bought. I've got hope and a future. God is on my side. And you think you're going to mess with that. Take a stand. Take a stand. Be men and women of God. Take a stand. And then number three, resist the enemy. Fight the enemy. What does James 4, 7 say? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I encourage you today, be brave. Take a stand. Be strong. Take a stand. And then I encourage you to resist. Fight the enemy. Take the message of redemption. Do you know we have the best message in the whole world? It's a message of redemption. You are a sinner. I want to show you how your life can be changed. You're hopeless in your current situation. I want to show you how you get out, how God does something different. Oh, folks, the message of redemption is a great message for everyone to hear, regardless of your culture or your language or your creed. The message of redemption says it doesn't matter where you have come from. God's taking you somewhere else. It doesn't matter the marks that are upon your life. The blood of Jesus Christ covers them and gives you hope in a future. Oh, take the message of redemption to those around you. Tom, would you come back, please? When a family member, a friend, a co-worker asks you, why did all of this happen? Why did all this evil occur? You need to stand up and say, there's a real enemy. His name is Satan. But greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Thanks be unto God who constantly gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Oh, come on, church. It's time to declare victory. It's time to let victory soar through your veins, through that message of redemption. Song says, I give myself away. Tom's going to lead us in that song in just a second. Daniel, come and help me. Grab the end of this dog rope one more time. I want you to understand something this morning. 
God is looking for dog soldiers. You may not like that term. I'm sorry if it offends you. It's just the way it is. It's a historical fact. He's looking for men and women who will drive the stake in the ground. And they'll say, I'm going to fight. I'm not giving up. You're not going to run me over. You may kill me and that may be the result. But I'm going to fight if need be. This is resolve and conflict. I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. Resolve in conflict. I want you to sing it, Tom. I give myself away. And I want you to think about resolve in conflict as he sings it. Stand with me across this room. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.